0: Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I am joined today by my co-host, Dan Fertlito. And uh, we are not joined by Patrick today, unfortunately. We're recording this on a Saturday, or uh, it's actually a Friday, Uh, but we're heading into a long weekend. It's a little bit busy for Patrick. He'll be back with us on our next show. Today is going to be a little bit more of a brief show. We're going to review the film Slice of Life by filmmakers Luca and Dino. Is that the right name? yeah
1: luca and dino Mm
0: -hmm. luca and dino and uh, i had interviewed both filmmakers before on the show about a year ago to the day um well at least we released the podcast about a year ago to the day and they released their film slice of life on youtube about a couple months ago ish Mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic for sure it has won some awards um it got a lot of praise for so many things that Dan and I are going to talk about now, but we really we felt like it was time to uh, talk about this movie and sort of bring it into the Blade Runner fold. So, uh, when you what did, what were your first impressions of the film? So, for whatever reason, you know, it's
1: weird. Uh, I dive into content like slower than you guys do sometimes. So, just because something comes out and it's Blade Runner doesn't mean I'm, like, gonna immediately get into it. Um, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. Like, I don't know why I do that. Like, again, Westworld is, like, one of my favorite series that's very Blade Runner-themed in terms of the philosophy, and I'm still interrupted at mid season two and like need to get, I guess when I go back to it, I want to watch the whole thing through. And so I just need to find the motivation to want to stick to it as opposed to diving into other film and stuff. So sometimes I don't necessarily get into something right away. And so I'd heard of slice of life and I listened to you guys' interview and it sounded cool. Um, but I hadn't actually watched it until this morning. Cause I was like, okay, we're finally doing an episode on it. Let me watch it. So it's fresh. So I didn't know a lot going into it other than a few advertising images and stuff like that that showed me that it was very obviously um like without naming it kind of set in blade runners la from 2019 or you know around that era um so yeah i didn't know what to expect i knew it was a smaller production and so i was like okay this isn't a big hollywood film obviously it's a you know, fan-made short sci-fi. And um, the only comparison I would have had was, is it Tears in the Rain? That other one that was also like visually pretty well done, but they like rehash a lot of dialogue from the actual film. You remember that um, short?
0: Um, Is that the one where they're in the diner? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of that. I think it's Tears in the Rain
1: rain 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 is what it was called. Um, Anyways, that was like, it was still visually pretty but that was very derivative and again not very imaginative story wise the dialogue literally like plagiarized blade runner i think in some places and so you know like you i don't have any interest in redoing something that I love or seeing something I love redone. But if it's a new story and different characters, like the Blade Runner 2019 comic book, I'm all for that. You know, it's not like, yeah, I love the setting. Um, It's it's something we talk about with Star Wars all the time. It's like Star Wars is a great world and a great setting. We just wanna see new characters and new stories. Um, So yeah, I really did not have a lot of expectations. I knew that visually it was gonna look great because that's the one thing I'd heard about it. And so it starts off kind of small screen, meaning it's like actually looking at text and like a conversation that's going on in the inside of a spinner. So it kind of starts from small screen to inside of a spinner to then it slowly branches out into the bigger world and into um, these landscape, these city urban landscapes. And that was really mind blowing. I mean, watching the camera pan through the cityscape, I was like, Wow, like, you know, a couple of percentages. You can tell that like some things are miniature, but I mean very, very minimal. The job looks super professional. The lighting is gorgeous. The color is gorgeous. Um, even the soundtrack that they created um is good. It's not super derivative, but it sticks with kind of blade runner themes. Um I found that, well, yeah, let me, I don't want to talk the whole time. So let me stop there and I'll pass it back to you for your first impressions.
0: Yeah. uh, I had seen the film a few weeks ago when it released uh, via YouTube for free, which is there. And we'll talk about that towards the end of this. But I remember seeing snippets of this film when it was being made or when it was doing the festival circuit um, via their facebook page which everyone should go to there's a lot of great things we'll have that in all of the bio Um, and i just remember seeing the quality of what they were doing and for me for sci-fi it's got to look good um there's also sci-fi that looks good that isn't good but it was selling me that they recreated ridley scott's los angeles 1982 without Question. It was perfect. Um, And then seeing the film, I was really uh, impressed by the story because it wasn't this overly complicated story, which, again, with bad sci-fi, people tend to overly complicate things. It's a simple story of of essentially a a person wanting a better life and trying to figure out, and this person is a little bit uh, uh, questionable in terms of... um, their morals he's certainly
1: no hero which was yeah he's no hero at all
0: um and and it's fitting in the world of Blade Runner it's fitting in that Los Angeles where people these are the people left behind and for whatever reason they don't measure up and probably a lot of them live a life of crime and dishonesty and there was no exception um with the protagonist in this short so I really felt like like you were saying it wasn't derivative it didn't feel like a repeat there wasn't really anything in there that I had seen before, or in terms of story, except for the cityscape, which was like being home back in LA, which again, I'm going to go on about that a little bit. That's a really hard thing to do. And I've seen many fan films, uh, a couple fan films from Blade Runner. They're mostly terrible. And I don't mean that in a dismissive, I don't appreciate the work that they do, but they don't understand that when you make something especially if it's set set within a world that's familiar you've got to do something new because we've already seen we've already seen the original we don't need to re-see it again and Luca and what's the other guy's name again Dino Dino I was gonna say Danny (laughs) Uh, Luca and Dino really had great instincts with this and they knew that they couldn't be complicated they shouldn't be complicated and they just need to make a small moment in the life of this guy looking for something better looking for something real that's really what he was doing and I thought it was brilliant and I really don't have any criticisms for it or any Eh, it could be better Um, it was pitch perfect for the film that it was um, in terms of a short homage film which it is no question.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have little things here and there and I'll mention them, but it's certainly not to disparage or criticize them. I certainly, I commend them on the job that they did. Um, I think that like you mentioned offline, I think they're, they're both professionals. They work in uh, commercials. Um, But yeah, again, the job they did with the visual effects and it's painstaking and like very thorough and you can tell that they put all that work into it and that love. I think um, it's really interesting to see the main character. Cause I remember thinking like, man, why is this guy, he's almost like annoyingly squirrely and like uh, just like scared and like, doesn't, he doesn't seem to exude any attributes that you would admire, although you can relate to him. And I think ever since we heard the words off world, we have that same feeling of, oh i wonder what off world is like it'd be kind of cool to see it but at the same time anytime anyone's asked us like would you set a blader Runner film in off world we're like no because there's something nice about the mystery of it being off screen right and so the storyline kind of parallels that in that uh spoiler alert he's trying to get off world and then misses the ship at the end and doesn't make it and again i think that's fitting Yeah, but uh, I thought it was a really good call for them to go with basically zero dialogue. I thought that was really smart because although some could view that as lazy, I didn't see it that way. I I just think they were avoiding the pitfalls of like, man, it's really hard to write dialogue that's going to like fit the theme and fit the world. And so they decided to just tell the story visually, which again, I think was a great call. You see this like gross cop and how corrupt he is and you see the just the environment how dirty and depressing sort of the guts of the city are. And yeah, you like don't really need dialogue because you understand the motivation, it's well laid out um and and you know they do like little interesting things uh like the timeline is pretty basic but not completely linear like the film starts with a part that ends up being in the middle later. So I thought that was a nice way to break up the narrative as well without getting all memento about it or anything. Um and yeah, like you know I don't know like there's little things about the fight scene which is a risk because you're like oh man you're filming a fight scene like you know you see a uh, classic one of course like Deckard and Roy or even Sapper Morton and Kay at the beginning of 2049 and it's like those fight scenes are so well done with professional actors um, and you know just not unlimited budget, but such a high budget that to even try and attempt doing a fight scene in that style um, is risky because you're likely to you know, have little things be off or have the sound effects be off. And so again for me like maybe the fight scene went on a little too long and there's like questions with like uh what a screwdriver like that that thin like really hurt someone that but you know like little things like that but it's like it's nothing that pulls you out of the film and nothing that I'm going to be overly critical about it's just like you know you have moments where you're like oh it's an interesting choice i wonder if something else would have worked better but you know very minimal um i love that they had for one they had a like Deckard uh, replica gun that the cop uses which was fitting and of course those are you know relatively easy to come by depending on how nice you want it but they have kits etc um and they actually got a hold of probably a replica although, especially since they're in croatia so getting an actual gun from the us would probably be problematic but they have the cop four barrel kind of classic gun that um uh, Leon uses in the first film, which you know, until I had looked it up, I didn't realize that that was a real gun. not Not very well reviewed by actual people who shoot guns. It's like very inaccurate. It's it's basically a four barrel Derringer. Like if you're going to use it as an under the table gun to get out of a sticky situation with someone right in front of you, then it's going to do its job and it has four rounds without having to reload. So that's great, and so it works for the settings in which it was used, both in uh, the original Blade Runner film and in this short, because these are all super close combat, short distance. In situations but i thought those were both kind of nice touches it's interesting that we see a detail in Decker or the deckard style police blaster um that i'm not that familiar with and i hadn't seen before and that is that while deckard's original had like leds or they probably weren't even leds at the time but it has some lights in it um you see in this fight scene that the gun runs out of battery power presumably and dies and so it becomes ineffectual and i was like oh that's interesting i wonder if that was ever if that was just completely a detail they imagined and added or whether that was ever written in any of the scripts because another thing that's very obvious is that they poured through the scripts to get details um about the original film that aren't even necessarily in the original film but they're in that world um namely a good example and i know this because jamie and i did a lot of research when we were uh writing and editing gethsemane um the uh, the short one hour audio drama that we did you know we wanted it steeped in that world of course doing audio and doing visual are very different um but Shimada dominguez comes up Uh, we used it i think in the voice of one of our blimps um right uh but in the short it's used on the atm the uh atm basically is run by the Shimada Dominguez Corporation and that was a cool touch because again it shows you that it's accurate to the original world. Um, So yeah just a lot of those details were really great and um, it was really a fun romp through um, you know a simple story that's original in its own right and really harkens back to the original film. So um, yeah it has like a I think it has like a 8.2 or something on IMDB which is pretty high and a lot higher than a lot of professional yeah, productions. Yeah, I
0: mean really uh, in my opinion this film is an anecdote to Blade Runner. It is set within the same city. Of course it's a different story, but like this is legitimately something you could release with a future say re-release of the final cut or whatever and have oh hey here's this other story as well like Alcon could buy it, or not that they would, I don't know, but that's how legitimate this film is, and um, again, the trappings of recreating a world that's very familiar, and you and I and Patrick have discussed this, the trepidation in going into 2049, and it's a different world, but there, there are moments of the original world that are familiar, um, oftentimes with these, especially in fan films slash homage films, which I won't call this either, even though it is a bit of a homage, the trappings are, oh, okay, I can see what they're trying to do. I'm not sure if it was successful. To recreate Ridley Scott's texture almost verbatim is almost impossible, I think. And so, again, I really... Hats off to these guys um, for taking the time. And this took them a long time. And just for reference, this film was shot in a garage. They kept re- refitting this garage over and over, whether it was for the the, um, the noodle bar, which is fucking phenomenal. You guys have got to see it. Like, they built it, and then they had some green screen behind it to kind of put build it out a little bit. It is... Amazing. It is simply amazing. I love process and I love the idea. I love behind the scenes. And one thing about Blade Runner, certainly the original more than 2049 is what interests me about the movie more than just the philosophy and the things that we always discuss is the process in which they built that world. Um, In terms of practical design that was a long painstaking process that was happening day after day every night for their night shoots. um, Building out and building out and it wasn't enough and they're doing it more so to be able to recreate that texture in a let's just say a 20 by 15 garage I'm sure it might have been a little bit bigger or smaller still a very small space and they use that space for the miniatures and then they use that space for the noodle bar and then they use that space for the spinner or whatever car that he was in and then they use that space for like the warehouse scene when they're fighting They, it's, it's a testament to 2020 filmmaking or 21st century filmmaking and what you can do with some know-how but again the, the what they did so right wasn't because a lot of people know how to do things. They know how to make things look good. Again, this is something that we all discuss. You can make things look good, but not be good. I would suggest that altered carbon is one of those things. Um, But they created a world that was physically the world that we're familiar with. And in some ways, thematically the world that we're familiar with and philosophically in some ways they they told a story about a human guy now I don't think that this don't mistake my passion for oh my god this film is like the end it's very simple it's very specific um, I am just in awe and I'm lauding them for bringing me into a world that I never thought I would see again so authentically um, I watch this film over and over and over and even the music it, it reminds me of Chris walking down that street when we first see her, the first reveal of her, where she's this, this, this lonely woman walking down the streets of Los Angeles, and how we can relate to that, whether philosophically, emotionally, or physically. And I get the sense, that same sense, when I see the protagonist in Slice of Life.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I would, I would totally echo all those sentiments. Really, hats off to uh, Luca and Dino and everybody else that worked with them. Uh, I know that the main actor helped, uh, or he was one of the screenwriters, so he helped uh, write the uh, script. Um, and yeah, they all did a phenomenal job. Uh, also, we'll we'll include some links uh, with the episode that you can look up. But um, and you'll kind of, if you you know, once you watch the film on YouTube, some of the suggestions will also be from the same production and Luca does a great, uh, he has other journals and other videos, but the main one I saw first, which is probably the most popular one, is about a 35-minute clip where he basically does a, um, not superficial and not crazy in depth, like a mid-depth tutorial on how to film miniatures, which includes um, how to create those buildings, and he shows this really cool, ingenious way a lot of how you know the original production was as well although they certainly built more original uh meaning handmade completely handmade products or buildings um but the way he repurposes like circuit boards from computers right those solenoids and things create uh especially once they're painted and and adjusted with rust and stuff they look like little barrels and all that kind of stuff you know computer fans telephones um Uh, shipping carton, like packaging uh, sort of things that have different shapes on them. And he shows how you can start with a cardboard box and just start attaching things to it. Um, And then in the process of painting them over with gray, adding rust and uh, weathering effects, adding little wires and stuff on the outside, and then lighting, you know, LEDs. And then the way it's finally filmed with fog and rain, et cetera. And I mean, you're hook, line and sinker that that is a real building in, a sci-fi future um and so he's really generous i think to uh give away not industry secrets but certainly a lot of his techniques on how he did it he's also very funny and friendly and approachable i really appreciated luca's like sense of humor and just like you know he he had some strauss playing in the background the whole time which is a really nice touch and i was like like even you could tell the professionals like even just his youtube video behind the scenes stuff is like very well produced. It's like a nice little documentary on how they did the models. Um, And so, yeah, you know, if you enjoyed uh, Dangerous Days and the making of Blade Runner stuff, I mean, this made me think of Charles Del Sarica and him talking about the 4K restoration of Blade Runner for the final cut, sort of like how they added lights and how they did this and how they did that. Um, And so, yeah, really, really cool and fun, interesting behind the scenes stuff. So I'd encourage everyone, we'll, we'll give you guys a link and encourage you guys to explore that a little bit. Um, and yeah that's about all I got to say about it for now but if Luca and Dina listen to this uh, like to give them my heartfelt congratulations you guys did a really great job and I really enjoyed your work and made me jealous that I don't have a job like that you know I would love to work <laughs> with miniatures and stuff um, you know maybe someday we can collaborate on something but yeah congratulations really job well done.
0: Yeah absolutely my congratulations as well I think it's it is a, a, a film worthy of, of the name Blade Runner and of the, the the legacy of ridley scott and all of those people who contributed to creating the original film which inspires us all today so i do re- certainly recommend everyone go to youtube type in slice of life if you don't we'll have all those links below also give us a shout out um uh on itunes write us a review if you'd like that would be great don't forget about our patreon uh, two dollars a month you get an almost two to three extra shows um, we're looking to continue to add to our Patreon uh, roster of patrons um, it's, it's been amazing and uh, so we're looking for more go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support and sign up $2 a month thanks so much for listening thanks guys If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.